Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Joseph Morris 
I call a leading authority on the end times because I'm telling you, that's all he does is study his end times. He's watching Israel. He's watching everything take place. And Ezekiel 38, 39, wars coming together. The nation's coming together. And, and I listen to him every single week. He gives these updates on Wednesday. Look them up, Joseph Morris, end of days updates. He'll keep you posted on what is going on. But he gave this illustration that will just blow your socks off. Uh, like I said, God started the Bible by showing off his ability to predict the future through the, name, the meanings of the first ten names that are mentioned in the Bible. Adam, the first name mentioned in the Bible, means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Hanan means sorrow. Mahalia means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death reigns. Lamach means despairing. And knowing Noah means his rest. First 10 names in the Bible. Definitions of those names. Put them all together and this is what it says. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching us that his death reigns and brings despairing rest. Isn't that amazing? First ten, first ten names mentioned in the Bible, and God predicts the coming of the Son and, and uh, restoration. Uh, I mean, he just predicted, uh, in a nutshell, the whole plan of redemption in the first ten names of the Bible. Who else could do that to that amount of accuracy? Nobody. Just God. That's right. And uh, now I, I, wanna, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 21. We're going to look at some end-time events that Jesus uh, prophesied, and we're going to analyze a few of them. And I'm telling you, if this don't get your campfire burning, then your wood is all wet. Amen. Because I'm telling you, this set my fields on fire. The accuracy of God's word and the way that He's shown us these end time events unfolding is just uncanny. In Luke chapter 21, verses 24 through 32, Jesus is talking to His disciples. And he says, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, speaking about Israel, the Jews, and shall be led away captive into all nations. They're going to be scattered all over the world. And Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles. In other words, will be taken from the Jews. And the Gentiles are going to possess it until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So Jesus prophesied to his disciples that the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem would be conquered and trodden underfoot by the Gentiles, the non-believers, the ungodly, the non-Jewish, and the Jews would be taken captive and led out of their homeland and scattered throughout the entire world. And, and uh, Jesus uh, prophesied that. Uh, to his disciples that the nation of Israel and Jerusalem would be conquered, trodden underfoot by the Gentiles, and they would be driven from their homeland. And that happened in 70 AD, shortly after the ascension of the Lord. 70 AD, when the Romans, under the leadership of Antipas Epiphanes, and if you get a chance, look up in the history books as written by Josephus, the historian, and it's amazing that Antipas Epiphanes fits the description to the T of the Antichrist. He's a type of the Antichrist. He come into Jerusalem, he conquered it, he went into the temple, he offered a sow on the sacred temple, uh, in the sacred altar, and he just desecrated the temple. 
And that's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do in the end times in the book of Revelation. But anyway, he comes in, he destroys Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took the nation of Israel captive and scattered them to the four corners of the world. And, and it was so bad for a couple thousand years that the Jews lost their original language. They used to speak Hebrew, and then uh, by the time they were gathered back, there wasn't anybody speaking Hebrew. But today, every one of them speaks Hebrew just like God said they would. He said he, he would restore their language to them, and he did. Look at verse 25. It said, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Now, anytime you see the seas or the waves or something like that, uh, it's actually, unless it names a body of water, 99% of the time it's talking about people. So it's the people that are going to be uh, raging and they're going to be full of uh, distress and perplexity and they're going to be the waves that are roaring. And then he says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. He's going to shake heaven. I mean, so far, we looked at earthly signs. We looked at what it was going to be in the last days. Men would be lovers of themselves and pestilences and earthquakes and all the different things we looked at in the past seven weeks. Today, we're going to look at a couple more of those, and then we're going to look at a couple signs in the heavens. And verse 27 says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This is his second coming. This is not the rapture of the church. And verse 28 says, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. And then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are, are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. God wants us to see and know for ourselves. He don't want you taking somebody's word for it. He wants you to see and know for yourself. How many knows that nobody can convince you better than you? And that's why he wants you to see and know for yourselves. You know, when I see the weeping cherry trees in front of my house begin to bud, and then they bring forth these beautiful pink blossoms, I know summer is near. Nobody can tell me otherwise. You can't tell me summer ain't coming, because I know it is. And that's the sign is that tree budding. And he's saying that same thing about Israel here, or he's saying the same thing about the fig tree and other trees. He says in verse 31, so you also, when you see these things happening, know, K-N-O-W, know. Don't speculate, don't be guessing. Uh, if this is something that you can know for yourselves. Uh, and he said, and what is it? He says that the kingdom of God is near. When you see that fig tree bud and bring forth leaves and other trees begin to bud, know that summer is nigh. And in the same way, when you see this happen to the fig tree, know that the kingdom of God is near. He said, surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all the things take place. Now, a lot of people for years believed that the generation he was talking to is the one that would see these things come to pass. In other words, he was talking to the disciples, the Jewish people. He said, this generation 
will, will not pass until you see all these things come to pass. But it wasn't that generation. It's this generation that we're living in right now. He was talking about the generation that would see these things take place. The generation that would see uh, the fig tree bud will be the generation that will see the return of the Lord. We're living in that generation right now. Amen. Jesus said three major things would happen right before he returns. Number one, Israel would become a nation. And the Jews would be gathered back to their homeland. Number two, Jerusalem would be restored to Israel. And number three, Israel would no longer be under Gentile rule. And so the fig tree represents Israel in, in Jesus' parable here. Uh, when he's talking about the fig tree, he's talking about Israel. In other words, the fig tree and other trees begin to bud. And when you see Israel become a nation and Jerusalem restored back to Israel and no longer under the rule of Gentiles, no longer trodden underfoot of the Gentiles because their time will be fulfilled when Israel becomes a nation and Jerusalem is returned to Israel. And he says, know that you're in the season of Jesus' return. Amen. Now I'm telling you, he's talking about things that seemed at the time to be impossible. Because Jerusalem is a valued city, and it was in possession of the Gentiles, and they weren't about to give it up. They would fight for Jerusalem. Uh, and, you know, Jerusalem is the most valued piece of real estate in the entire world. I say it's the center of the universe. That's my personal opinion. Uh, men have been fighting over that ancient city for centuries. As a matter of fact, the last battle that's going to be fought on this earth, the battle of Armageddon, is going to be fought over Jerusalem, who takes possession of Jerusalem. That's how valuable that city is. And, and the Muslim Mosque of Omar, the Dome of the Rock, and the Jewish Temple Mount, the Jewish Temple that's, that's been rebuilt, are the two most sacred play, uh, pieces of real estate in the world. And they're practically right next to each other. They're within 350 feet, you know, a football field apart. And, and that's also very significant. For a long time, uh, the Jews thought that the Muslim mosque was built on the old temple site. And their new temple had to be rebuilt exactly in the same place as the old te temple. So you can imagine uh, what they thought about trying to get the, the mosque from the, from the Muslims. That would never happen. But then the uh, archaeologists discovered that the, the old temple site was actually 340 or 50 feet to the side of the mosque of Omar, the, the Dome of the Rock. And so the, the, the nation of Israel was able to rebuild the temple without any problems, without any wars. But the Muslim nation uh, claims Jerusalem belongs to them because of their religious heritage. And the Jews claim the same thing. But the Jews have proof uh, that it belongs to them because God said it belongs to Israel. And the Bible, or God's word, is their title deed. See, nobody has a deed to Jerusalem except the Jews, and that's the Bible. And Jerusalem is mentioned over 700 times in the Torah, which is the Jewish Bible. And it's only mentioned, and it's mentioned 600 times in our modern-day Bible but it's not mentioned one time in the Muslim Quran. So Israel is going to be the possessors of Jerusalem now and forever. Amen. Jerusalem is the place that Jesus is going to 
sit on the throne of David and rule the earth for a thousand years in the millennial reign. He's going to sit in Jerusalem on the throne of David for a thousand years and rule and reign. And it's the place where the new Jerusalem is going to be lowered from heaven. It's going to descend from heaven. And it won't be able to touch down on the earth. It's going to be a supernatural event. And it's going to hover over Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is. And the reason I say it can't settle down is because Israel is about the size of the state of New Jersey. The new Jerusalem is 1,500 miles square. That means it goes from Mexico to Canada and from the east coast almost all the way to the west coast. That's how large it is. It's going to supernaturally descend from heaven and it's going to hover over Jerusalem for eternity. Everybody will be able to see it. It's 1,500 miles high. 1,500 miles square. That's a big place. Amen. Amen. And so that property is that valuable. That's why I say it's the center of the universe. But anyway, he said, Jesus said, the generation that sees Israel become a nation and Jerusalem return to the Jews, no longer under Gentile rule, will be the generation that will see and know for themselves that his return is near. He said, this generation... The generation that will see and know for themselves shall not pass till all these things are fulfilled. We are blessed people. Amen. We are going to see the fulfillment of the, the return of Jesus. Yes. And I'm telling you, just like I see and know for myself, the summer is near when those weeping cherries begin to bud in front of my house. I see and know for myself Jesus' return is near because I see and know for myself when Israel was uh, made a nation again, in 1948, there was two great things happening then. Israel became a nation, and I was born. So i seen that. I know it for myself. Amen. Uh, they became a nation in 1948, and Jerusalem was won back in the Six-Day War in 1967. So we've seen those two things fulfilled. This generation has seen those two things fulfilled, and uh, the time of the Gentiles is no longer because it's not under Gentile rule like it has been for the last 2,000 years. It belongs to Israel now. Amen. So everything has become Israel's possession. And along with uh, uh, winning Jerusalem back in the Six-Day War, uh, Jordan had invaded Israel. Uh, they also won back Gaza Strip, the Sinai Peninsula, the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and the Golden Heights. That belongs to them legally. Amen. Not only from the Bible, but they won it fair and square when another country made an aggression against them. Everything you take in that war belongs to you. You get title deed to it. So they have the earthly title deed, and they have the heavenly title deed. Jerusalem belongs to Israel. Amen. Amen. So those two events by themselves are all the signs that we need to know Jesus is coming soon. We don't need another sign. Those two are spectacular enough. They're accurate enough. Uh, we can go home now knowing that we're going to see the return of Jesus in this generation. Amen. But God loves us so much, he's given us many more signs because he wants us to see and know for ourselves. He wants us to be sure. He's proven to us that he is God and he is who he says he is. Amen. Amen. And he doesn't have to do that. Amen. Amen. Another sign is the restoration, like I said, of the Hebrew language. Zephaniah 3.9 said, For then I will return to the people of pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him 
with one consent. One language, one people, one spirit, one God. And that's exactly what he wanted for the church. That's why the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, he gave the church one language. Amen. One language, one people, one God, one spirit. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then God said through the uh, prophet Daniel that the Roman Empire that Daniel seen back in his day with Nebuchadnezzar and all of that, he said it's going to be revived in the last days. And so it's going to come from a conglomeration of European nations that are in existence right now, and they'll be used by the Antichrist to conquer the world. And he'll try to destroy the Jews with them. And uh, in 1957, a treaty was established that created what's known today as the European Union. But you know what the name of that treaty was in 1957? The Treaty of Rome. And so uh, right now it consists of, it, until uh, last year it consisted of 28 members. Now Great Britain pulled out and it consists of 27 members. So uh, uh, 17 other countries or states are contemplating pulling from the Union now. And I'm predicting right now that they will because once that 17 pull out, that leaves 10 countries. That's the revived Roman Empire. That's the 10 horns that Daniel seen in the beast and that we see in Revelation 17. The 10 horns are going to make up the, the revived Roman Empire. Uh, another sign is the fertility of the land of Israel. God said Israel, which had been a barren desert for hundreds of years, over 2,000 years since the Jews were exiled in 70 AD, and came back in 1948, it was barren, dry, brown, dead, desert land, the whole, the whole state of Israel. And all the countries around them was the same way. But God said that he would return to Israel the, the fertility of the land. And did you know that right now, since 1948 to this day, Israel supplies 90% of the, uh, all of Europe's produce and even to other parts of the world as well. 90%. Uh, you know, that's like staying a little tiny state here in, in the, the United States, like New Jersey, supplies all the produce for the entire United States. You know how crazy that sounds? But God, only God could do something like that. And he said that he would return to Israel, the fertility of the land, and he did. Uh, Gerald Moore said he stood on a mountain overlooking the border of Syria and Israel, and he said you could see a line. Where the fertility of Israel stopped, lush, plush, green grass and fields until it hits the Syrian border, and right on the other side of the border is brown, barren, dry desert wasteland. They showed it on TV. Yeah, and and it's just, I mean, that is nothing but God. Where He can say, "You'd be fertile up to here and stop." Yes. And that's exactly how it is in Israel right now today. Mm God predicted that, and yes. it happened. God said the temple in Jerusalem would be rebuilt and the Jews would begin worshiping him again from there. And that's ready to happen right now. Yes. Remember I told you that God owes uh, Israel seven years of Old Testament time. That's going to be during the tribulation period. They're going to be doing Old Testament sacrifices, just like they did in, in the Old Temple. Now the Dome of the Rock falls within the court of the Gentiles. 
which according to the scripture is to be uh, the court directly outside the temple that the scripture says was left out. You know, you had the outer court, yes. that's for the Gentiles. Yes. And then you had the inner court, that's where the priests would minister. Yes. And then you had the holy place and the holy of holies. Yes. And, and that part of the, that valuable real estate is going to be left out. Now, the temple is ready for worship right now, and there's different groups like the Temple Mount Society that are already working on preparations to begin these sacrifices. Yes. There's certain things that have to come into play. Uh, they have to have the ashes of a red heifer, and now they are breeding red heifers, yes. perfect red heifers, yes. without spot or blemish in Israel right now, ready to slaughter, yes. burn, and create the ashes necessary to start up worship again. Yes. And they also have, a, have to have the exact formula of God's anointing oil that he used in the old, old covenant in the tabernacle in the wilderness and in the temple. And they found that in a cave somewhere in Israel. They already found it, the exact formula that the priests put together for God's anointing oil. Mm. So there, I mean, everything's coming together. The priestly garments have already been tailored. They're already uh, ready for the priests to wear. The priests are being trained and have been trained and they're ready to begin Old Testament sacrifices right now. And God has also moved into position. I'm giving you some signs, indisputable signs uh, of the end times. There's, there's over 50 of them. I'm just giving you a few. Right. And he's moved into position in Israel, the land of Israel, over 172 species yes. of predatory birds. Yes. Not just 172 birds, 172 species yes. of predatory birds, flesh-eating birds. Yes. And they are, uh, that's in preparation for the battles of the tribulation period, the Ezekiel 38-39 wars yeah. and the battle of Armageddon. God is going to call upon the fowl of the air, the prey of the air, to clean up all the dead bodies of his enemies. Yes. They're in position right now. Yes, sir. And so uh, before I show you a couple more undeniable spectacular signs that have occurred in the heavens I want to give you one more earthly sign and again get your campfire ready because it's going to start blazing there was a Jewish sage by the name of uh, he was Rabbi Yitzhak Kaduri and he was an authority of the Jewish Bible a very renowned and very well respected sage uh, he died in 2006 at the age of 108 but when he died, he left behind a letter, actually a handwritten note. There's some speculation on, on whether it was a letter or, or a handwritten note, but that he had written some 40 years earlier yes. with instructions that it was to be opened one year after his death. Yes. So they opened this letter in, in 2007. And there were predictions in there that referred to the Messiah. Now, you know, the Jews, especially a, a sage, especially a Jewish rabbi, they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They, they're still looking for their Messiah to come the first time. Well, in this letter, he said that he had a vision of the Messiah, and that Messiah was indeed Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And he became, as a result of that vision, he said he was born again. So he's what we call a Messianic Jew. He's Amen. a Jew that believes in Jesus as the Messiah. Yes. And I can't even begin to tell you how amazing that is for a Jewish yes. man of his stature. That is just something that doesn't happen. And uh, it, it's, it, it, it is as uh, spectacular as the conversion 
of Saul to Paul. That's, that's the name, two brothers. But he said that Jesus would return shortly after two particular events occurred. This is 40 years before his death. He said right before the Lord's return, there will be elections in Israel, but there will be no government. Now that's just crazy. People just brush that off because, I mean, every time you have an election and somebody's elected president or prime minister, he, he has a government yes. to rule over. Yes. And he says there, there will be elections, but no government. And he said that two ministers will win the government in the land of Israel, and both their names will be Benjamin. Yes. Now, that's like having two presidents. Yes. And both of them are named Trump. Yes. Right. Well, this is crazy. They just brush that off. That's impossible. That will never happen. Uh -huh. And so uh, they're both being named Benjamin, and neither of them will succeed in establishing their government right. or their coalition. Right. Now, all the time, uh, or at that time of Israel's last election, Benjamin Netanyahu had been the prime minister of Israel since 1997. And in this last election, there were people running for that office representing 34 different parties. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Bring me a couple batteries, Matthew, would you please? Batteries. What kind? Double uh, A. Anyway, I hope you can still hear me at Facebook Live. Go ahead. Get these batteries swapped out here. Praise the Lord, I can't stand these sound systems. Go ahead. But anyway, at the, last, at the time of Israel's last election, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in, in uh, office since 1997, and every time he was elected as prime minister, he had a coalition uh, behind him, uh, in other words, a government behind him. And in order to be elected and form a coalition or a government in Israel, uh, actually what the Bible called a kingship, he said, you must secure at least 61 parliamentary votes. I think they have 100 and some people in parliament, sort of like our Congress. And Benjamin Netanyahu failed to do that. And there was one other man that came in at a close second, but also failed to get the votes to secure a coalition and start a government. And, and you know, it's like Democrats and Republicans, or it's, it's red and blue or white or whatever they call it. And as a result, they're both declared prime ministers to rule jointly uh, over Israel. And they're currently holding the same office today. Both of them are ruling together. Uh, and by the way, his name was Benjamin Gantz. Yes. Two Benjamins. There yes. were elections, no government. Yes. Two Benjamins ruling Israel right before the return of the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, if that don't set your fields on fire, that's right. Nice and wood. That's right. The kindling is all wet or something. Yes. yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, when I first learned Thank this, you, look it up online. Just Google it. Yes. Google uh, Israel's elections and Google uh, Isaac Kaduri. And you'll see everything I'm talking about is true. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's many signs. There's over 50 signs. We didn't look at 50. We might have looked at 15 or 10 in the past eight weeks. But there's many, many more signs and a lot which we already covered. But now I want to show you a couple amazing, undeniable signs that have occurred in the heavens. Now, who created the heavens and the earth? 
God did. Amen? Yes. And in Genesis 1.14, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to, the, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. God created the heavens to give us light and, to, and for signs for the seasons and for the days and the years. Amen. Give me a minute here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now check these batteries right before we start. Amen. Go ahead. Holy child. They can still hear you. All right. Hallelujah. How's that sound? Yes. That's good. Yes. Yes. But one of the most amazing signs in heaven. Let me say this. There are, as far as we know, scientifically, a hundred billion galaxies with at least a hundred billion stars in each galaxy. Yes. God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, it and is. And you know God has named, got a name for every one of those stars and yes. all these galaxies in yes. the, the heavens. I mean, that's how awesome God is. Yes. He created the heavens and the earth. Yes. He placed everything in position. He keeps it running by the word of his power. Every planet in its proper orbit, everything moving at the correct speed, the sun standing still, the moon's coming off. Everything was orchestrated by him. And, and I've read in, in uh, astronomy books where they said if, if one of those plan, planets gets off a kilter, uh, even, you know, like a couple degrees, uh, they will draw all the planets into the sun. I mean, it would just destroy the, the harmony of all the planets and stuff. And, and so God is, he's an awesome creator. Yes. I, don't, Amen. I, I don't have words to say Amen. how awesome he is. Yes. But Jesus says specifically in Luke 21, 25, there should be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, the people roaring. And one of the most amazing signs in the heavens is blood red moons. Everybody heard about blood red moons, you know? A blood red moon is not that uncommon. They're, they're pretty common. Uh, and there's several prophecies foretelling the moon will be turned to blood in the end time. It won't be physically turned into blood. It will look like blood. It'll have appearance of red. Joel 2.30 says, states this, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun should be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. Well, we've had plenty of those. That's called an eclipse. The, yes. the, the sun is, is blocked by the earth's shadow and, and the moon takes on an appearance of red. Revelation 6, 12 also prophesies that the moon will become as blood and it says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became his blood. So these blood red moons have been predicted in, in the Bible by God yes. and the prophets. Yes. And like I said, a blood red moon occurs during the lunar eclipse when the earth passes between the sun and the moon and blocks the sun's rays uh, and, and from reflecting off the moon. And it, it causes the rays to curve and change color, and they shine on the moon in the appearance of red. And because of its vivid color, 
A total lunar eclipse is referred to by NASA as a blood red moon. NASA named them blood red moons. And, and like I said, they're pretty common, except when you have four in a row, then that's very rare. Uh, and I think since the beginning of keeping records, which was thousands of years ago, there has been historically 10, uh, four blood moons in a row had occurred like 10 times. Four times since 1492, and I'll, I'll tell you why that's significant here in a minute. But uh, uh, four blood red moons is called a tetrad. That's what NASA calls it, a tetrad. That's four in a row. And they happen usually in the fall of the year into the spring of the year. So they span over a two-year period, the end of one year and the beginning of another year. But here's what's even more amazing is when they occur on Jewish holy days. Yeah. Yes. These four blood red moons occurred on uh, the holy days of Passover and Tabernacles. I mean, that makes it even more amazing. And uh, the reason it's so much more amazing is because Passover says Christ died for you. Tabernacles, which is dwelling, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, is, is saying that he's coming back to tabernacle or to live amongst men. So when those uh, blood red moons occurred on Passover tabernacles, God is screaming to the earth saying that my son died for you and he's coming back Amen. to live with you. Yes. That's right. Every time that happened. Yes. So four blood red moons since 1492 and they're, they're as follows. Now uh, one thing we have to understand is every time there was a tetrad or four blood red moons in a row, especially on the Jewish holidays, something significant happened with the Jewish people, either before or shortly after. So uh, in 1493, 1494, there was a tetrad. And this is when the Jews were expelled from Spain and greatly persecuted during the Spanish Inquisition. The, the, uh, the Spanish, the Spaniards, I guess you'd call them, uh, the Spanish told the Jews they had to convert to Catholicism or they would have to leave the land. And so, it was said that, you know, uh, Queen Ferdinand, King Ferdinand uh, sponsored uh, Columbus to find America. And in actuality, in the Jewish history books, it says that the Jews paid for Columbus to find a place for them to flee to. And so the ones that uh, didn't flee, shortly after that, Columbus comes back, I discovered this country, the Jews load up, they leave. But the ones that didn't want to leave, they converted to Catholicism. And then, the, and then the Spanish Catholics turned on them and said, we don't believe you were truly converted. And they began to burn them at the stakes and all kinds of terrible stuff was happening to the Jews. Uh, but the ones that fled the land, they come to America. So anyway, that was what was so significant about the Tetrad in 1492. Uh, Columbus discovered America and the Jews were thrown out of uh, Spain. 1949 1950, we know in 1948 the Jews became a nation for the first time in over 2,000 years. That was a spectacular event. Then in 1967 1968 was the next Tetrad, and the Jews won back Jerusalem in the, in the Seven Day War, Six Day War. 
And then the last time was in 2014, 2015. I seen that with my own eyes. I didn't see the one in 1967, 68. I guess I wasn't looking for it, but uh, I can remember exactly where I was at when I seen the first of the four blood red moons. I was sitting in my truck at work, and I'm telling you that moon was as big as a, I don't know what, and it was just a beautiful red. It was spooky looking, you know, like one of the prehistoric movies like Jurassic Park or something. That's exactly what it looked like. There was four of them in 2014-2015. And to this date, nothing significant has happened to the Jews, but it will. Because if, if it stands true to pattern, something significant happened to the Jewish nation every time. I'm going to take a couple extra minutes today. If you've got, you got a lady, go ahead. But I just got to try to wrap this thing up. But anyway, they all fell on Jewish holy days. And then the last blood moon of the 24th, 14th, 15th tetrad was also called a super moon, which appears much larger than, than a usual harvest moon or, or a super moon. And God caused this moon, this moon to come up directly over the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Yes. There's yes. pictures of it. Look at it on the internet. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the moon looked like as big as the world and is coming up right over the temple. Yes. I mean, what more do we need to see? Yes, yes. Good Lord. Yes. And it was on a feast day. Why? Because yes. he knew Jerusalem would be filled with Jews from all over the world. Yes, and amen. Gentiles, too. And I, I don't know, I'm going to date myself here, but there was a famous catcher in, in the 60s called Yogi Bear. Yes. He was a catcher for the New York Yankee, and he eventually turned manager. He used to have some funny sayings and quips and quotes. And uh, one of the sayings he had was, that's just too coincidental to be a coincidence. <laughs> and, and, you know, people think this is a coincidence, but that's yeah. just too coincidental to be yeah. a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. A full solar eclipse also occurred on Nisan, which is the Jewish New Year, which has never, ever happened before. And God has been proving himself through the signs in the heaven. Who else can rearrange planets and yes. create blood, red moons and eclipses, you know? Yes. Uh, you know, you can say, well, it might have been a coincidence to have them things occur four in a row like that. Yeah. But to have them occur on Jewish holy days, no coincidence. Too no. coincidental would be a coincidence. Amen. But now I want to show you what I believe to be the most amazing sign, the most spectacular sign, the one that made hair stand up on my neck. I want to show you this as the last one, and it's called the Bethlehem Star. Yes. In Matthew 2, and verses 1 and 3, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, astrologers, Men that studied the heavens from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east at its rising and have come to worship him. So, you know, some 2,000 years ago, give or take a few years, a, a very bright light appears in the sky over the place where the Christ child is born. And uh, the star was later named the Bethlehem Star, or the Star of Bethlehem, yes. over 2,000 years ago. Yes. So that star beckoned these three astrologers, also known as Magi, they studied this, the astronomy, they studied yes. the, the heavens, 
uh, they were called astrologers, magi, or wise men, and it guided them into the presence of the Lord. It pointed them to the Lord. And this star only appeared twice since the creation of the earth, and, and the last time it appeared was like last year. And in order for this star to appear as the brightest of all stars, God had to uh, cause a uh, cosmic conjunction to take place. He had to line up three particular planets within one degree of themselves, uh, and that was the planet Venus, the planet Jupiter, and the planet Regulus. And he aligned them perfectly within one degree of themselves. Who else could do that? And the first time he did it was at the birth of his son. Yes. And the combined brightness of the three planets made a light so bright that it created what we now call the Bethlehem star or the star of Bethlehem. But despite the fact that none of these planets were considered a star, they're not stars in themselves, they created a light that was brighter than the brightest star. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Venus and Jupiter and Regulus came together in conjunction with each other within that one degree margin of error, I guess you call it. They shine brighter than any star in the sky, any star known to man. And the same cosmic conjunction occurred again, like I said, just last year. Yeah. And it's the first time, uh, remember the first time it appeared when Christ uh, was born, first time he came to the earth. Yes. Uh, but there is also prophetic significance to the return of the star but when last year, uh, particularly as we consider its time. There's one particular spectacular element that makes this recent conjunction of the planets unique. Unique. Never happened before. Probably won't happen again. But not only unique, as well as further trying it or tying it to the original Bethlehem star. This I know it's a science lesson, but hang, hang in there a minute. I'm giving you a lot of information, but it'll be worth it. So the Bethlehem star first appeared for Jesus' first coming to the earth, and it appeared in a constellation. You know what a constellation is? Uh, it's a conglomerate of stars and heavenly yes. bodies. It appeared in a constellation Virgo, which means virgin maiden. Yes. Bethlehem star, first time Jesus comes. Yes. Virgo, virgin maiden. Mm. Then the last time it appeared, it same, same three planets aligning, same star of Bethlehem, last time it appeared, last year, it appeared in the constellation Leonis, or Leo, which comes from a word that means lion. Mm. I mean, this, this alignment, this conglomeration of, of planets, this conjunction of planets, appeared in a, in a uh, Virgo the first time, in Leonis the second time. Same, same star. There's also been prophetic connections made between the Hebrew names and meanings for the first three planets. I don't know if you realize it or not, probably after the first 10 names they give you the Bible, God names something for a reason. Yes. And everything has a yes. meaning. All the names of Israel has a meaning. Yes, it he does. named Abraham, Abraham, Abram, he, his name was Abraham, he named him Abraham, which means father of many nations. Yes. What happened? He became the father of many nations. So when God gives you a name, it means something. Yes. So here are the Hebrew planet names for uh, Regulus and uh, Venus. And Jupiter means, uh, let's see, uh, Regulus means king star. 
Venus means very bright light, and Jupiter means the call for justice and righteousness. This is the actual meanings, the Hebrew meanings of those names. Uh, so what does it all mean? First of all, God is the only one capable to give us this type of sign in the heavens. He's the only one that can rearrange yes, us. Yes, and move galaxies and stars and planets and constellations. Yes. There are hundreds of billions of stars and galaxies, and God can pick three of them, line them up, and make them the brightest star in all of those yes. galaxies and, and stars. Regulus, the kingly star, appears in the constellation Leonis or Leo, which means lion, uh, because of, of Regulus's brightness is called the heart of the lion. Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Venus means very bright light or star. Jesus is referred to in the scriptures as the bright and morning star. Jupiter means the call for justice and righteousness. And that's exactly what Jesus brought to the earth. The overall message God portrayed in this heavenly phenomenon is a king is coming that is brighter than any star that has ever shone on the earth, and he shall usher in justice and righteousness. Yes. That's exactly what Jesus is going to do when he returns Hallelujah. to the earth the second time, uh, and not too long from now. So do you think that a bright kingly star seeking after justice and righteousness that was displayed in a constellation that's named Virgin, and the first coming of Christ by a virgin birth through a maiden by the name of Mary in a place that the Bethlehem star pointed to. Do you think that's a coincidence? Right. That's too coincidental to be a coincidence. Oh, amen. And if you do, then you probably think that the appearing of the same star over 2,000 years later in another constellation is also a coincidence. Well, let's not overlook this fact that this time the star appears in the constellation Leo and the lion points to Jesus' second appearance on earth as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the offspring of David. Yes. That's what he's coming back to do is set up his millennial kingdom yes. and sit on the throne of David that he is in lineage to. And the bright and morning star and the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. This all comes together. Oh, it's not a coincidence. God told the prophet Jeremiah in 23, 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a sprout, and he will reign as king and do wisely and will execute justice and righteousness in the land. Hallelujah. Jeremiah prophesied that. Amen, and I'm here ready to close. He appeared the first time as a child born of a virgin maiden, and this time, the second coming to the earth, he's going to appear as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, the yes. Lord of lords. Uh, and the timing involved here can in no way be associated with coincidence of any kind. Can't be. I mean, uh, you be the judge. Only God can rearrange planets and moons and stars and galaxies and constellations. Amen. And, and, and God is doing everything that he possibly can yes. to prove to us that yes. he is God and what he yes. said is yes. God. Hallelujah. And, and yet there will be people, plenty of people, that won't believe it. Yes. And, and God is wanting us to see and know for ourselves. Yes. Or he wouldn't have given us all of these signs that he's given us, especially these spectacular signs that can't be denied. He wants us ready when he returns. It's not, he's not going to sneak up on us. 
I know people use that passage of scripture and he's going to come as a thief in the night. Not for us. Right. Amen. He's going he's to appear as a thief in the night to the world because they're not looking for That's him. That's right. We're looking for him. Yes. Yes, amen. But, you know, like I say, he's doing everything he can because he wants us ready. So what is it that God people can do at a time like this? People always ask, well, you pretend the end time Jesus is coming soon. What are we supposed to do? I'll tell you what you're supposed to yes, do. On. Number one, get closer to God than yes. you've ever been before. Yes. Hallelujah. Just filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes. And get your faith level up. Get out of fear. Because you're not going to make it in these end times yes. if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost yes. and being led by Come God. On. And then go to church every time the doors are open. Yes. Every time the doors are open, be in church. Yes. Walk in love. Yes. Be kinder. Show more love and mercy than you ever did before. And above all, be a good witness. Yes. Let your light shine. Be a good example. You, show Lord. people what Jesus is really like. Thank Don't you, show Lord. them that crappy Christian. Show them what Thank Jesus is really like. Right. Get rid of all the bitterness and unforgiveness. Yes. And start telling people that God is not mad at them and that he loves them. Yes. He loves them enough to die for them so Thank they don't you, have to go to hell. And they can go to heaven and live with him yes, forever. Amen. And start sharing Jesus like yes. you've never shared him before. Yes, Get amen. Get bold. Yes. Get bold about it. Uh, especially with your family members and your loved ones. I mean, get bold like never before. Quit pay taking around. Thank and, you, Lord. And, and start getting bold with them. Thank you know, you Jesus Lord. said concerning the times we're living in now, in Luke 14, 23, he says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be yes, full. Yes, amen. He didn't say I'm out there, play patty cake with him. He said, compel them yes, to come amen. in. Get bold yes, about yes. it. Yes. But before I close, I want to leave you with this. I know everyone isn't going to heed these end time messages, the end time warnings, the end time signs. A lot of people are not going to believe, and it's very unfortunate that that's going to happen. Some people will refuse to believe, and uh, there's nothing that anyone can do about that. If you refuse to believe, I can't talk you into it. I can't do anything about that. And, and the reason I say I can't is because God can't. If you say I don't believe it, God can't change your mind. If you can't believe it after just some of the signs I showed you, and there's many, many more, if you can't believe it after that, then your believer is broke. You need to get it fixed. You need right. to spend some time with God to get it fixed. Because nobody can help you. It's sure. a choice that you made, and yeah. God will honor that choice. Yes, he will. But I just want to say this. When the rapture occurs, and if you find that you've been left behind, and I'm not just talking to this group. I'm talking to Facebook and everybody that listens to the recording later. If you find that you've been left behind, there's two things that you must immediately do. If you don't remember nothing else, remember this. Number one, raise your hands towards heaven and ask God to save you. Yes. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive your sins. Tell him that you believe he's the son of God and God raised him from the dead yes. for you. Yes. Then, after you get born again, ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's the only way you're going to make it through any part of the tribulation period. Whether it's the first three and a half years where it ain't going to be real bad for America, but it's going to be it's going to be affected uh, by what's going on in the Middle East. But that last three and a half years is going to be hell on earth. 
I mean, half the population of the earth is going to perish. And so you ain't going to make it without being saved and without the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 So do those two things. Yes. Ask God to save you and then ask Him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Yes. Because it's going to be hard to make it through the time just coming upon the earth. Amen. Amen. I know I kept you a little extra today, but I wanted right. to finish it. I didn't. I could have made two messages out of it and hit you again next week, but there's other things that we want to move on uh, to teach you on. So we're going to close with this. If the Lord tells me to do something else, I will. I'll obey. But right now, I, I think we're going to talk about the end times for a while until I see something significant happen, and then we'll bring it up again. But there's a lot of things going on in the Middle East. Keep your eyes on that yes. European yes. Union. Yes. Because uh, uh, the next thing that's going to happen is down there. It might, even, might not even be formed before the rapture, but it could be. But the, the next thing we're going to see happen probably uh, Russia's going to march on Israel, and that's when it's going to start. Amen. 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 We're not going to be here for that third, uh, Ezekiel 38 war. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Yes, Lord. God, I pray I did justice to your word. I pray Thank that I brought it across in a way that people can understand, not just understand, but also believe. Thank you, Lord. I want them to believe that the word is true. I want them to believe that everything that you predicted to happen has already happened or is about to happen. It will be fulfilled exactly like you said it would be. There can't be any doubt about that in anybody's mind. They have to believe that the church is going to be raptured and Jesus is going to return. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you and praise you that you're watching over your people. And I thank you, Lord, that you're healing your people, raising them up, that we can be strong in the, in the power of the Lord and the power of his might. In Jesus', in Jesus name. So we thank you and praise you. Give you glory and honor. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Uh, Facebook, thanks for tuning in. If you think this was a decent message, go ahead and share it with other people. Uh, there's some, pe some people out there need to hear this message and get ready for the return of Jesus. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.